Well, you know, knowledge is a good thing. But it's interesting as um, we live in our knowledge-based culture that there's a phenomenon we see now. It's called anal- a paralysis by analysis, meaning it's we're getting so much information, we don't know how to make proper decisions in our lives. I remember uh, when I was raising our son, um, I didn't have the opportunity of having my parents guide me and give me advice because, you know, they had both passed on by then. But we, I remember Grace and I just reading books and books and books on how to raise our children. And I remember talking um, with one of my parents' friends. And I said, well, how do we do this? One book says this. Another author says this. How do I know which is the right thing to do? And she just said, Dave, use your common sense. You know? And that's the way my parents raised us. They didn't have the books and all of that. They used, you know, their common sense. But in today's society, we have so much information. It's tough to make a decision. What makes it even worse is we want to make the right decision. And we're seeing that come over or bleed into the way we live our, our faith. When I was growing up, one of the things that we always used to do is we always used to seek God's will. God, what is your will for my life? What is the career that you have for me? God, who do you want me to marry? Who is your will? Who is the one that you have chosen for me? Right? And we used to say that growing up. And really, we used to sincerely seek after God's will for that one special person. Because we believed that, or at, at that time, I believed that, you know, God only had one person, uh, one special person that he wanted me to marry. And I wanted to be sure that I didn't miss this person. So, God, what's your will? Until I realized that that's not true. You know, sorry, all of you singles. I don't mean to burst your bubble here. Um, but God, I don't believe, you know, God has that one person for you. Now, he's given us guidelines, of course. The Bible says that we are not to be unequally yoked. And so you want to, whoever that person is, you want it to be a fellow believer. And you want that, whoever that person is, you want that person to love the Lord and want to grow in the Lord and want to live a lifetime in obedience to the Lord. And that's what you want. That's what God wants from you. But aside from that, he's given your own set of um, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, chemistry, passions, and so forth, and just go for it, right? However, the moment you say, I do, that is God's will for you, okay? The moment you say, I do, that is God's will for you in your life. And so I think a lot of us, you know, it's hard to make decisions, and we don't want to make these decisions because we want to know God's will. But sometimes knowing or desiring God's detailed plan um, keeps us from acting on the things that God wants us to do right now. And today we're going to learn that we need the Holy Spirit's guidance on a daily basis because God just because God doesn't give us a lifelong plan. But there are things that He wants to do in the spur of the moment. And sometimes we miss those things if we're just concentrating and thinking about, God, what's your will for me? What's your will for me in the next five years, 10 years, 15 years? And this is what Francis Chan says. God's calling you now. 
he, he does kind of say that. Uh, it says, it's easy to use the phrase, God's will for my life, as an excuse for inaction or disobedience. It's much less demanding to think about God's will for your future than it is to ask him what he wants you to do in the next 10 minutes. It's safer to commit to following him someday instead of this day. And this is what I think I was doing when I was seeking for God's will. I was saying, God, what's your will? So I could know, so I could follow you someday. Someday. And what I was really saying is, it's safe for me, for me to just sit here and think about what you want me to do someday time in the future than to really act upon what you want me to do right now. And that's what we have to learn, is God wants to speak to us and direct us right now. And the first point is this. God rarely gives us a lifelong plan for our lives in advance. It's rare in Scripture that you see when God calls somebody, he gives them a lifelong plan and detailed in advance. If you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Genesis 12, verse 1? And we're going to take a look at the call of Abram, or Abraham. And it said, The Lord had said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. See, God told Abraham that he would be great, and that his descendants would be innumerous, and that everyone would be blessed through him. And by that he meant that everyone would be blessed through Jesus Christ, who was the descendant of Abraham. But he didn't give Abraham a detailed plan, right? He said, man, you're going to be great. Your descendants are going to be numerous. Just go. He didn't say, okay, this is how it's going to happen. These are the things that you need to do. So just to make sure that we're on the same page, that um, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen so you could be prepared for it. God didn't do that. He just told Abraham, go, go. Well, why don't we take a look at an example from Jesus, Matthew four eighteen, And Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, And he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Once again, here's the calling of the disciples. Jesus did not sit down with Peter and ask Peter, what his ambitions for life was. Jesus didn't didn't sit down with Peter and Andrew and say, you know what, I have a great plan for you, and this is it, to pump them up so they would be excited to follow him. What did he say? Come, follow me. No details. No details. Because Jesus knew that he would be calling on their journey they would be on a need-to-know basis. And so many times when we're on a need-to-know basis, it's based upon what we feel we need to know and when. But when we follow Jesus, when we follow God, 
We are on a need-to-know basis. But we are on a need-to-know basis when God feels what we need to know and when. But so many of us, that's just so uncomfortable. We want to know the details. We want to know the plan so we could be prepared. So at least we could prepare for whatever God has called us forward to. However, this brings us to the second point. Walking by faith without a detailed plan is the only way to please God. I know that each one of us want a detailed plan. We all want to be prepared for whatever's coming in the future. However, this is a principle that we all have to really learn, understand, and live by. Walking by faith without a detailed plan is the only way to please God. Hebrews 11.6. So if you have your Bibles, can you turn with me to Hebrews 11.6? Without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So the author of Hebrews starts out by saying, without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Hebrew also author says that it is impossible for God to lie. So that word impossible means it, it can't happen. Never, ever, ever. It is impossible for God to lie. That means God will never, ever, ever lie, period. However, it's the same thing here. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, you can never, ever, 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 ever please God. And so that's the first thing that we have to understand. By it, our, our goal is to live a life that's pleasing and honoring to God because that's what worship is. But if we don't live by faith, if we have to know the answers, if we have to know the details so we don't have to live by faith, we will never please God. It's impossible to please God. And he says... Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Now here, we're, I know we're talking to um, those who don't know Jesus Christ. That, you know, in order for you to come to him, you have to believe that he exists. But then for those of us who actually have taken that step in faith, we, we have to come to believe that God is a good God, that God said... He, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that God has a plan for you, and there's a reason for why he allows you to go through certain things, and there's a reason that he calls you to experience certain things. And we have to believe that. We have to believe that. And second, third, is that we, he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We have to believe that when God calls us to do something that is out of our comfort zone and he's not giving us a detailed plan, if we follow him in faith, believing that he is a good God, then we will be rewarded. Maybe not in a financial or material sense, but we will be rewarded in the closeness that we feel with God as we experience whatever God calls us through, walking it with him himself. And I've done that, you know, I can't tell you how many countless times I've been rewarded by walking with Jesus, by obeying Jesus in areas that I'm saying, God, I have no clue why you 
are asking me to do this, but I go ahead and do it anyway. And as I go through this, I'm wondering, sometimes I'm wondering, God, maybe I made a mistake. But almost every time, every time, I'm rewarded with what? A closer relationship with Jesus. That every single time I get to know Jesus better and better and better. And what that does is that allows me to trust him more and more and more in the future. Because there's one thing for certain. As we walk with Jesus, our lives aren't going to get easier. That's not God's way of doing things. God's going to um, have us experience greater and greater and greater and greater challenges and trials. Why? So we could grow our trust in him in areas that require more faith than we had before. And that's something that we have to realize, that if you think your life's tough right now, it's going to get tougher. But God will never, ever put you in a place where you can't handle. And the third point is the Holy Spirit will always lead us on the way of the cross. The Holy Spirit will always lead us on the way of the cross, meaning that he's going to lead us into areas where we have to sacrifice. That's why he says, "Pick up your, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me." And one of the and since Jesus or the Holy Spirit will lead us on the way of the cross, which is the way of sacrifice. One of the reasons I believe God doesn't give us a deep, detailed plan, because if he knew that plan, we would act like Jonah and run the opposite direction. You know, one of my, most, one of my favorite, most recent uh, movies that are one of my favorites was The Avengers Endgame. And I just love that whole Marvel uh, universe. But in Endgame, you know, you have the Avengers. Um, they are trying to save the planet from this evil titan named Thanos who has the power to destroy the entire universe. But the Avengers have a one in a 14 million chance to succeed. One in a 14 million chance to succeed. And there's only one person who knows this, and that's Dr. Strange, because he has ability to see through, see to the future. And in that future, he said, okay, for us to be, um, victorious, there's only a one in a 14 million chance. So here they are in their final battle with Thanatos. Th- Thanos. Thanatos. Where did I get that? Thanos. I'm getting my uh, enemies all mixed up here. Uh, um, Thanatos, what's that? Okay, <laughs> I don't know. It's like Jack Nicholson, I guess. Um, but anyway, you know, in that scene, um, Iron Man asked Doctor Strange, is this the one in 14 million chance scenario where we win? And Dr. Strange answered, if I told you, it wouldn't happen. See, in order for the Avengers to succeed, it would mean that Iron Man would have to sacrifice himself 
and die. And Doctor Strange knew that if Iron Man knew that, he would probably try to come up with an alter, alternate plan that wouldn't require his sacrifice, thus negating their only chance of victory. But I think that's like us, right? A lot of times God tells us, doesn't tell us a detailed plan of the future because if we know, especially if he's leading us on the way of the cross, that it's going to cause us to sacrifice something that we're not going to want to do it. And so that's why. If you have your Bibles, turn with me once again to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And it's interesting that he used that we have this treasure, which in this case, you know, he's talking about Paul and Paul's mission. But he said, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Who's the jars of clay? We are. You know what they use jars of clay for? You know, the jars of clay back then were pretty worthless. They were brittle. They weren't worth a whole lot. Now, sometimes people kept their valuable things in there because if somebody broke into your house, they would think, well, this is just a worthless, you know, jar. I'm not, I'm not going to even touch that if a thief came in. But they would also carry waste and uh, garbage in these jars too. And so they were pretty worthless. But Paul says that we carry this treasure um, in these worthless jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. So when we are going through difficulties and trials, God knows we're fragile. God knows that we're breakable, that we're these jars of clay. However, we have a treasure inside of us. Why? To show us that the all-surpassing power, the power that God, that He gives us in order to deal with whatever, you know, trials that we're going through is coming from Him and not ourselves. And he goes on to say that we are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so the life of Jesus might be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. You know, like I said, a lot of times the reason we don't want to know God's will for our lives is going to take us, it always, it always leads us to the cross where we're going to have to sacrifice something. And we don't like that. But this is what Paul says here, that for we who are alive are always being given over to the death of Jesus for the for Jesus' sake. The Bible says, I have been crucified with Christ. Meaning that our old self has been died, has been nailed to the cross. Right? And now we are alive in what? We are a new creature that was created to live in obedience to Christ. We are a new creature created to live by the way of the cross. We are a new creature that was created to sacrifice in order to live a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. 
That's what he said. So life may be revealed in our mortal body. The only way that you could, I could experience the life that Paul is talking about here is when we die to ourselves. When we die to what we want, the way we want to live, and be willing to sacrifice. The way of the cross, we're going to bear our scars. And some of us don't want those things. You know, as Jackie said in her testimony, that this was a tough year for her. I'm sure she had dreams to play basketball in her senior year, but she had an injury that prevented her from playing basketball. She probably thought this would be a great year for her to cap off her high school year and transition into college. But what did she say? She had some real difficult times with the relationships in her life, right? That here she thought that it'd be great, but it was harder. Why? Because of the relationships that God had placed in her life, the difficulties she was having in them. But what did she realize? She realized that she had to sacrifice her desire to want to get back at them. She had to sacrifice the, um, the just uncomfortableness of forgiving in order to love them. And she realized in order to have a loving relationship with God, she had to what? Have a loving relationship with people. She had to sacrifice something. She had to humble herself to forgive and try to reconcile. And that's the way of the cross. God's going to ask you to sacrifice things. God's going to ask you to give up certain attitudes. God's going to ask you to give up certain dreams. Right? And if you knew that detailed plan, you probably won't want to go there. You say, God, what's your will for my life? Five years, ten years down the road. Hoping that once again, it's easier to think about how God will work in your life in the future than what he wants you to do today. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you each and every day. So what I would suggest you do is stop worrying about five years, ten years, fifteen years down the road. I mean, plan for it. You know, don't go into it like, oh, you know, without planning, because the Bible tells us that we should plan. But don't worry about it. Don't obsess about it. Worry about what the, where the Holy Spirit is leading you right now. Because Jesus says what? Tomorrow has enough problems on its own. It does, right? Don't worry about them. God's got those things. Just worry about what the Holy Spirit is leading you today. Maybe to the person he wants you to talk to. Maybe there's a relationship in your life right now that he wants you to reconcile. You know, maybe there's some situation that he wants you to help or give a hand. Or what? maybe there's somebody that he wants you to pray for. Listen to him. Listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit right now and not obsess about where he wants you 5, 10, 15 years from now. And so what's a weekly challenge? Read Hebrews 11, 6, and 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11 every day. Are there any areas in your life where needing to know the answers is keeping you from following the Holy Spirit? Is Is there any area in your life right now where your desire 
to need to know is overwhelming your ability to act. And then spend time identifying attitudes or activities that God is calling you to give up in order to live the way of the cross. Just spend some time asking God, is there anything that I need to sacrifice? Are there any attitudes I need to give up? Is there anything that I'm holding on to that I need to um, give up in order to follow the way of the cross? Because as a Christian, that's our calling, is to live the way of the cross, to deny ourselves and pick up our cross daily. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I know for me, this is a tough message. For so many times, Father, I want to know. I want to know the plan so I could be prepared for it. But Father, in reality, if you allowed me to do that, there'd be so many times when I would do it and then whatever the result would be a result of my planning, my power, my strength, and my wisdom, and not your power. And so if there's anybody here right now where you're in a situation where you just feel paralyzed that you need to know, that you have an inkling of where the Spirit wants to lead you, but you're just holding on and paralyzed because you don't have enough information. I want you to just in, just in these few moments give that up to God right now. To ask God to allow you to relinquish your desire to know in order to walk out in faith and obedience to him.